All right, it's 11.30, let's jump in. Greg Persons, are you here yet? I don't see Greg, I know he's gonna join. So hi, Sophie. Sophie, can you say hi? Hi, hi Sophie. Hi. Oh, wow, what do we owe the honor of Michael Branton showing up live and in person? It's been a while. <laughs> uh, how are you, Beth? Great to see you. I'm doing great. Hi, Sean. Hi, Adam. Adam's so, a new dad. A hey, new Beth, dad I'm going to be on two. video in just a couple minutes, but great Congrats, to be here. Adam. Okay, awesome. All right. So, loved, 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 probably, I think this book, Beat, never split the difference for me. I loved this book. And, you know, it's always interesting when you read books what you're doing at the time, like Adam and I'm, uh, Aaron and I were just talking about the Blackstone guys book. I read it at the beginning of the recession, which I will, or the beginning of the pandemic, which I will always remember that I read that book at the beginning of the, of the pandemic. But I was reading Can't Hurt Me in the last week of my canvassing club challenge bike ride. <laughs> So from about day 21 to 31, in my ear was David Goggins, you know, breaking all of the bones in his feet. And so how could I even possibly not finish the bike when I'm hearing this guy breaking all of the bones in his feet and, you know, having his toe blew up to like three times the size of his foot and all of the, it really was so motivational that there was like no way, he was like my personal trainer in my ear going, come on, you can do the 30 miles on the bike in a hundred degree weather. Like you wimp if you don't do it, you know? So it, it was, I'll never forget it. As long as I live that I was listening to that guy while I'm going, I can't believe I'm riding 25 miles on this freaking bike. <laughs> so I thought it was the most motivational book I've ever, and I mean, someone was just telling me who just started reading it, they, they, they texted me yesterday and they said, I don't think I'm gonna finish it by tomorrow, but I'm only in chapter three and I'm crying every day. Like the, the whole beginning of the book when he's going through all of his life challenges as this little kid with this dad who's so abusive, it was just, I just loved it. So I'll shut up for a second, so Aaron, did you love, are, are you as effusive? I know you recommended the book to me and I don't know, you recommended the book to me like a year ago. I'm so glad I read it when I read it because I needed yeah, it when timing, I read it. It sounds like your timing really couldn't have been any better. David Copa, uh, who runs Conover South, actually is the one who recommended it to me. Uh, who, he, you know, he's up at four in the morning, who we both know doesn't have to be, but he's up at four in the morning working out. So that, that book, I think, meant a lot to him and when he turned me on to it i, I was blown away by it um and, and I, I absolutely loved it i i, I couldn't I, I you know it, it really it really will put your problem your problems into perspective right and then you know for those of you that have read which we we did a few months ago living with a seal um for those of you that haven't read living with a seal and haven't read this book this is the seal that Jesse Itzler lived with. So it's great to read Living with a Seal and then read Can't Hurt Me because you have like a, you, you're like teased 
about David Goggins with Living with a Seal, and then you then you get to read the whole backstory of them. And and now I'm watching. He's got some unbelievable motivational um, clips on Facebook and Instagram that I watch with my kids. I tried to get Goggins on this call. I Facebooked him. I Instagrammed him. I I offered to pay him. I offered to make a donation to his charity and I got zero response. I was very, very crushed. I probably reached out to him nine times. I tried to, I've tried to find his um, book editor and producer and I just couldn't, couldn't make that happen. So I hope, none, I hope you guys didn't show up thinking, I was trying to get him, but I didn't get him. I didn't even get a response, but I'm not going to hold that against him or the love of, of the book because he's probably out, you know, running a hundred miles and that's why he couldn't get back with me. Yeah, he's probably like building a house in Antarctica right now or something. Oh, right. Exactly. So Adam, did you read the book? I did. So I listened to it and I love the fact that he did that cool commentary after every chapter. It was so much more you get out of it. And similar to you, I was, uh, I was training for my first marathon. It's something I've been wanting to do for 10 years. And I had found Jesse Itzler a year ago. That was like my big Masagi, as he calls it, like your big annual like reach goal. And I had signed up for marathons in the past, you know, did halves because I thought that's the most I could do. And I said, this is going to be the year that you do it. And I remember listening to that while I'm training. And there were so many ahas, but the one was around pain. And he's like something around like earning that pain. Like I earned it. Like, and I feel like so, so much of my life has been I, I could picture like this kid mindset if I want to avoid pain. And I felt like something about when he said that I earned this pain. I just love that. And it's like, you felt like I, you know, I'm putting in the reps to be able to um, have this. I, I just, I was being that. And I felt like, uh, I mean, I was listening to that for a good couple months. Just uh, it was big. It, it really helped a lot. Yeah, he talks about there's there's like there's like five major major takeaways, but um, the one that um, that you're talking about, he said I think he says you have a calloused mind, yeah. right? And use the calluses, like take take the shit that's been dealt to you, and have it callous you, and then use it to fuel you. So instead of making, so instead, he, what he felt was instead of having this abusive father and these people calling the M, N word and all this crap that he dealt with, he said, I'm going to use that to callous my mind and use it to fuel me for every time I am down or I don't, or I think I'm weak or I'm insecure about something, I'm going to use those events and instead of using them in a victim mentality, I'm going to use them to propel me and fuel me and yeah. say, if I could live through that, I can easily run a hundred miles with no training. Right. It, it sets the frame. It's like, that's the one choice you always get, no matter what is to choose how you see it and to have it serve you is everything. And I, I love that. And I, I always feel like that's been such a a goal of mine, but I love that he talks about that a lot, that he made everything serve him no matter what. And especially those examples that people would say, oh, you know, I can't believe you had to go through that. He's like, because of that is why I'm so hard and able to do all the things I do. Cause I've been able to become so much stronger having gone through it. It all served me cause I let it. So it, it's a really powerful concept that, and it's, it's interesting. Maybe it's a topic point here, but 
how do you develop that, right? It's like, who's going to go that way rather than, and, and even during this pandemic, like what has some of us on the call choose to have this serve us to be stronger and grow and develop and others maybe just say, sky's falling, you know, retreat to a cave. You know, I don't know. I, I do think it's teachable and you could build that as a skill set, but it's, it's really a neat thing when you think about how, who develops that and who doesn't, who makes that their mindset. Well, and it, that's, and I wrote something on LinkedIn a few, a few months ago, and I, I don't know where I read this, but it's, it's the say do quotient. You know, what you, what are you, what do you do what you say you're going to do? And what is that? Your say do. And he, sure. but he also talks about having an, and I loved this, an accountability mirror where he put post-its up and, you know, for goals. And he says, you know, if you want to lose uh, 40 pounds, your post-it should be two pounds in the first week. And then once you reach, reach that goal, you take that post-it down and you put a goal of three pounds in the next week and, and that you keep taking the post-its off and putting on new post-its and having, looking at yourself in the mirror, you know, he said, I didn't have an accountability person. I didn't, you know, I, I needed to be my own accountability person. And I thought that was awesome. An accountability mirror. There you are. Hold yourself accountable. It was awesome. <laughs> who else, who else uh, take, took something from the book? Because I, I could just talk about the book for an hour, but I'm going to shut up. Who else has some things, some takeaways? Yeah, Beth, uh, actually, I, I, I read the book. And one of the things that I really am playing with is that idea of like moving towards discomfort. Because that's, I feel like I, I see, I can see during my day when I'm just in that comfort zone. And I just try to make things as peaceful and calm as possible. But I, I know that when I, and I feel like it's a stance thing. Like if you're the one that initiates discomfort, it's much easier. If you wait to the world to do it upon you, it's a lot harder. So I feel like if I, and I look for those opportunities, I'm not always good at it. Sometimes I just fall into that comfort track. But if I can get out there more and move towards discomfort, even in just little ways, whether it's try to get a rejection or try to uh, maybe initiate an interaction with someone that I really wouldn't normally reach out to, it's, it's a great thing. So it helps me grow. But I think that stance, just moving towards, that's what I got from the book is that alone is like a game changer as far as making the fear smaller than, than you think it is. You know, I was on a call the other night with Gary Vaynerchuk. There were 60 of us on this call. And he said, what you're trying to control is what you're fearing. And everyone was like, Wow, like, you know, think of something you're really holding on tight to and trying to control. And that's usually something you're afraid of embracing and moving forward on. I thought that was interesting. But yeah, I mean, Sean, you know, he talks in the book, he says, go run one mile. And then the next day, run two miles, right? And run till you hit discomfort. And then that, and then every day, go a little bit further till you hit discomfort. Right, like, and, and, and Adam and I have been doing this calendar club challenge that we've been talking about. You know, Adam, you first started doing the exercises, right? And then, yep. what, right, what, what you did, did you do, you didn't do running yet. 
no no 31 miles well, I, I did i did sprinting I, I was able to pull off 31 sprints which was still no no joke no walk in the park but um but yeah it was uh it's a neat topic and and to go to the point what he mentioned is those small incremental goals they build that momentum and i think what too many of us do is we set that big goal and it seems so daunting and let's say we go a day or two and we don't do anything with it it really just becomes out of sight out of mind and he talks about it in the book and i think this counter club format of having these small incremental daily goals, it really moves you along a path that over a period of time, whether it be a month or a year, you look back and you say, I mean, Beth, I'm sure you too, with the with the laps, probably can't believe it. I just did 30 laps, right? What was the what was the most amount of laps you had done before this month, right? Like four? I mean, it's like so yeah. it really is amazing when you take on a big goal and break it up into smaller, either weekly or daily goals, how how far you could come along with it. Love it. Yeah, and he and he's he and in the book Living with the Seal, he addressed it and then addressed it in here is when we think we're done, when we think when our mind tells us we're done, we're only at 40%. 40%. Right, 40%. 40%. Right. I, I struggle when I've, I I don't have a problem holding myself accountable to quantifiable goals. Where I struggle is like that pushing yourself to discomfort. Like, I feel like I can, I can get complacent in discomfort, but if the goal is to buy eight properties or to run three miles or whatever it is, if, if that's what needs to be done, all of a sudden I can magically do it. And I feel like by writing them down and holding myself ac accountable to those actual like numeric quantifiable goals, I get them done, but I, I, I struggle in general with like pushing yourself to discomfort that concept that you brought up a few minutes ago that he talked about in the book. I don't know if you have any thoughts or tips or ways to overcome that, or is it just always be quantifiable? I guess that's the only way to do it for, for me, but I'd be curious to hear if anybody's got a trick. Well, I think Adam and I would tell you when you're, you know, Aaron just opened a brand new franchise. So, and if Lawrence is next to you, don't do this in the next month or two. But maybe in January or February, when your urgent care is running smoothly, you should pick something like Adam and I did for the monthly challenge, because doing something in an ascending order and it and it's challenging, like the bike. If if when I and Adam knows, I was I was. Should I do the bike? I don't know if I can do the bike. I don't really think I can do the bike, but maybe I'll start the bike. And, but I was focused on, I couldn't, I'm never going to be able to ride 31 miles on a bike. I'm never, so I was focused on that end and, and Adam was doing it. I said, okay, I'm going to try it. And, and everyone will agree, you know, I'm 60 years old. If I don't finish, everyone will applaud that I got to 20, but the easy, the pushing your, by the time I'm at, you know, so first through 10 was okay. Once I started going 10, 11, 12 miles, I was absolutely pushing myself to discomfort, but you're a goal, you love goals, I love goals. Only having to do one more mile than the day before, even though I'm now approaching 20, 21 miles, like I couldn't even believe that I did it. But it was, and it definitely pushed me to discomfort, but it was incremental. And that's what he talks about in the book incremental re reaches. Could I, could I share one thing to add to that as well? 
Um, so I, Aaron, it's an interesting point because I got to imagine you had this site, you probably had to reach out to a ton of tenants and have a lot of conversations, like a volume of conversations over a shorter period of time, right? I don't know, hundreds or however many to find the ultimate tenant that went in. Is that come up here or that come up? So I almost wonder, it also comes back to the why, like when your why was, I'm going to just do this deal. I got this amazing opportunity. You kind of get yourself to just be doing all those reps of, I'm going to take those calls. I'm going to have 30 conversations today with 30 different brokers and users. So I think there is still something to be said about when you're playing that bigger game, you sometimes find yourself doing things out of your comfort zone that you just might not have done otherwise had you not had this big goal in front of you. In this case, it was to you know do this big deal and make it work. And you had a short timeline, I imagine, to get it done. So I think sometimes tagging it to like a, a big thing, having a why with that. For me, it was like the marathon last year. I think for Beth and me now, it's been this monthly thing around a calendar club. So maybe for you, there's maybe a big goal that you're taking on for the end of the year. And maybe it requires a certain amount of reps, whether it be exercise or like even recently, we were doing this around prospecting. And I know Beth had done it about canvassing. I did it around a style of messaging people using a video message. And I tried that this month and I had a big sales goal to hit by the end of the year. And so this month, that was my why, you know, to have this for my family, to create a certain amount of income. And I hit, uh, I mean, I didn't hit the 465, which was my number had I done one and then two and three. Um, but I hit like 280, which for me was a, a big volume, way more than I've ever done in like a, a month. And so I do think that consistent over a month period does get you to a big number over a month. Uh, and then having that why, why it matters to you helps you all when you're, you're not wanting to do it. That's just a couple of things for me, at least. Okay. In, in, in the challenge number seven in the book, Aaron, it says, the main objective here is to slowly start to remove the governor from your brain. He says, I didn't get there overnight and I don't expect you to either. Your job is to push past your normal stopping point. Whether you're running on a treadmill, doing a set of push-ups, no matter how tired you are and how much pain you are in, push to just five to 10% further. It resets your baseline. And every day, if you continue to push yourself five to 10% the following week and the week after, you will realize that if you were underperforming in your physical challenges, there's a good chance you're underperforming at school and work too. The bottom line is that life is one big game and the only person you're playing against is yourself. Yeah. Ken, I know Ken Morris, you love this book too. So tell us about some thoughts about that you have about the book and why you love it. Hi Beth. Hi everybody. Um, yeah, I love the book. I listened to it. Uh, if you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend you download it because it's, it's basically something that they haven't ever done before. It's like a podcast. So after each chapter or two chapters, uh, Goggins gets on with the guy that co-wrote the book with him and they just talk things out about what, was going on in his life at the time that he writes about. It was really, really powerful. Um, you know, I, I think I've read it twice and listened to it at least once. And um, I've probably sent out maybe a dozen copies to various people that I know. Um, you know, I, I, I think the, the overwhelming message is it doesn't matter who you are or what, where you're coming from, or what your physical or mental condition is, you always have the ability to get better and you're really not 
competing against the next person, you're competing against yourself in your own limiting beliefs. And I push that boulder every day with limiting beliefs. And that's why I felt the book was so powerful because here's a guy that, you know, came from really nothing and look at what he's been able to accomplish. He does seem very superhuman, but he's the first guy to tell you that he's not. He's just, you know, able to live comfortably in a, in, in a very strong discomfort state. And most people, especially in our modern Western society, we don't like discomfort in any ways. We don't want to watch a TV, you know, news broadcast that doesn't fit our, our, our political views. We don't want to feel uncomfortable in any way. And I think the, the goal is, is the more we're willing to and engage in being comfortable with being uncomfortable, the more we're going to accomplish and the happier we'll be ultimately as people. Remember, we're genetically designed to get our needs met and then no more. So we're, we're fighting against, you know, uh, uh, neuropsychology and neurobiology as far as how we approach things. But you can, you can get meta. You can get beyond yourself. And I think that was, this is a guy that's able to show that roadmap to all of us. So I loved it. This, and I'll, this I'll, is, I'll listen to it again and probably read it again. Yeah. I, I, well, I bought the hard copy because usually, where is it? Usually I just listen and then I take notes while I'm listening. I just loved it so much, but I, this, this is for all of us on here because we're all overachievers. <laughs> so he goes, this one's for the unusual MFers in the world. <laughs> a lot of people think that once they reach a certain level of status, respect, or success that they've made it in life. I'm here to tell you that you always have to find more. Greatness is not something that if you meet it once, it stays with you forever. That shit evaporates like a flash of oil in a hot pan. If you truly want to become uncommon amongst the uncommon, it will require sustaining greatness for a long period of time. It requires staying in constant pursuit and putting out unending effort. This may sound appealing, but will require everything you have to give and then some. Believe me, this is not for everyone because it will demand singular focus and may upset the balance in your life. That's what it takes to become a true overachiever. And if you are already surrounded by people who are at the top of their game, what are you going to do differently to stand out? It's easy to stand out amongst everyday people and be a big fish in a small pond. It's much more difficult task when you were a wolf surrounded by wolves. This means not only getting into Wharton Business School, but being ranked number one in your class. It means not just graduating buds, but becoming an enlisted honor man in Army Ranger School, then going out and finishing Badwater. This, I love this line. Loved this line. Torch the complacency. Torch the complacency you feel gathering around you with your coworkers and teammates in that rare air. Continue to put obstacles in front of yourself because that's where you'll find the friction that will help you grow even stronger. And before you know it, you will achieve. Loved the torch, the complacency. Love that because I think we're surrounded by complacency. I think that we're surrounded by people that say, oh, it's the pandemic. I don't have to work that hard or, I, you know, I, I love that. Torch the complacency. That's going to be my new motto. <laughs> Teresa, you're going to need a button for that. 
Yeah, we need a button for that. <laughs> Jennifer, why did, why did you love the book? So for me, first of all, when you said that you went out and bought it, I didn't even bother with anything else. I just went out and bought it. <laughs> um, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not a competitive person at all. So for me, like I ran a half marathon because everybody told me to do it. The best part was the training. My hashtag after that was FOMO no mo for everything that I did. But with this particular book, it was all about the mindset, right? And so for me, and I think you and I have talked about this before, is the fear, right? So fear is like everybody's limiting factor. Everybody's afraid of something. And fear is the first protective instinct that comes to mind specifically when we're pushing ourselves out of our comfort zone, knowing that that's what we need to do to grow. And so his focus on mindset and how to turn your mind around. I mean, three hell weeks. Are you kidding me? I would have been so far gone after the first one, if I had even made it in, like, and he went, he put himself through three of those. Um, so I loved the fact that everything that he does is, you know, your mind is going to say stop at my old whatever, and you have to push yourself through. So I love that. I love the, the, he had a phrase where he said that most of us make our most uncomfortable decisions in the comfort of our own home. Like we, we make those crazy decisions to push beyond our comfort zone when we are the most com comfortable. And then, so once we're not in, you know, our living room and our fuzzy pajamas and we're actually out there running the hundred miles or whatever, that's when you're sitting there and that, that's where your mindset has to kick in because you're like, what was I thinking? This is insane. I'm never going to make it. And the fact that he says you have to celebrate even the smallest achievements was huge because I think that that goes kind of along with Darren Hardy and the compound effect, right? Which this book and Darren Hardy's compound effect are the only two books that I've bought in math and I give out to everybody wherever I go. Um, and he says, you have to celebrate the small successes if you ever plan on getting to the big win. And I think that was kind of your point with like your bicycle challenge, Beth, right? You can do, if you can do one mile one day, then the second mile, the second day doesn't seem so bad because you've already done one mile. But if you hadn't celebrated your first mile, you might not have made it to the second. So I love the book. Yeah. The, um, he says in a quote, you are in danger of living a life so comfortable and soft that you will die without ever realizing your true potential. So true. So true that people, you know, do not live up to their full potential. And he says, in another quote, he says, I, I can't find it here. It says, every day, every day, do one thing that's uncomfortable. Oh, here, it's a lot more than mind over matter. It takes relentless self-discipline to schedule suffering into your day every day. So Josie, Josie, tell them, <laughs> she said, oh my God, I've never loved a book so much. You just started it a couple days ago, right? Yeah, I started, uh, I believe it was Monday or Tuesday and I'm listening to it on Audible and I'm halfway through the first chapter and I was absolutely hooked. Uh, I could not believe what this man went through and it makes everything that I've ever gone through so insignificant. 
And I are you agree. listening? Dealing with Beth all the time can't be that easy. <laughs> she lives through hell every day. Yeah, no. <laughs> are you listening with it with your son or no? No, I'm not. I was debating whether or not I should have him listen to it because there's some parts that are very questionable. Yeah. Um, I mean, I really wanted him to hear the first and second chapters, but once you get into the third chapter, it, you know, it's a, a totally different um, story. So I don't yeah. know, at 13. Yeah. Michael, did you read the book, Branton? I'm, uh, I think I'm about halfway there. I think he's about to go into third hell week and I'm listening to it. So I'm really enjoying the kind of interludes between him and his, his editor, I guess, or ghostwriter. So you like to push yourself. What do, what do you think about the book? What was your favorite part so far? I mean, I have two big ones. One that I think we, a lot of the things we've touched on already about mindset and moving towards discomfort, but his thing about motivation and particularly motivation on bad days, like when you're just not feeling it, he's like, motivation is fleeting. When you're feeling good, you're going to have it. And when you don't have it, you, you got nothing. And on those days, essentially he said, double down, like work out twice as hard. So to that end, like you're just, you know, maybe you had a deal blow apart, make twice as many calls, like respond with a, you know, equivalent, if not double the effort. And the other one that really stuck out to me was the whole taking souls idea. And I look at yeah. this as a, as a client service provider <laughs> where, you know, your client maybe rubs you the wrong way or something. And you're in a position where you need them to a greater extent. And you basically have to again, double down on your efforts and go the extra mile and go beyond what is expected of you to establish yourself and again, kind of make yourself relevant. I love that taking souls. I thought that was awesome as well. So Greg, I know you're not on video, but I know you love the book too. This, I'm telling you, Except for Never Split the Difference, I have never gotten more reaction and response on a book, Aaron Zucker, since you recommended it, than this one. Every, all, all you guys, all my, you know, all the, the dedicated book club participants have been reaching out to me going, this is the most amazing book ever. Greg, and you're one of them, so tell us. Yeah, so... <laughs> The, this book, when I was, when I obviously when I started reading it, and then when I finished reading it, took on two completely different meanings, simply because halfway through I was employed, and then half the other half I wasn't. So, um, but the what Goggins does for me, he kind of personifies what um, Ryan Holiday talked about in uh, Obstacle Is the Way, and what you know in the kind of his teachings with Marcus Aurelius and meditations and, and like that stoic, stoic philosophy, it, it, it you know, it, it's one of those things where if you can just make it difficult, you know, and, and, and the more you effort you put in, not that it's just to do the work, to do the work, but you're going to get so much more out of it, uh, of, of the effort that you put in. Um, 
even so that's why I mean I just you know there, there are there are this is a book that in my opinion every every executive leader should read like it should be required reading and I, I wish more leaders in our in our industry would just just read a chapter you don't have to read the whole book just read one chapter and just pick one and you will get so much more out of it and you'll be able to lead your team better than I, I think it's 30 minutes of an investment that, that you will never get out of any self-help seminar that you could buy. It's, it's that this book was one of those kind of transcending type resources that just should be, should be required for everybody either entering business, effect, you know, have been in business for 60 years, whatever the case may be. I mean, I was fascinated by it. Um, his videos are, inspiring and um i, I actually i want to i want to listen to the audio version now because of the because of the supplemental information that he provides so that's entertaining but i because i usually do the youtube videos but the, the audio version of this seems to be a lot more beneficial you have to read you have to listen so you have to listen like because what ken and everyone else said after every chapter he and the, the ghostwriter talk and you get way more of the backstory in the audio. So I, I bought the hard copy just because now I want to own the book and I'm, I'm going to now go back and read the book. But uh, the audio version is probably the best audio version of a book I've ever, I've ever listened to. And I agree yeah, with you. I think I've, highlighted, I've highlighted more passages in this book than any other book I've read in the last three years. I mean, my, my Kindle is half yellow. <laughs> it is half yellow. I, I, I agree with you, Greg. It's, it's like motivation in a can, this book. Like, I, I don't know how anyone would read this book and not, like, I just wanted to run through a freaking wall after I finished the book. Like, I, I, like, let me go bike ride 30 more miles because I can. So Chloe, are you available to talk? I saw you running. So Chloe, share about your biking and running. Yeah, so last month I tried to do the biking with two part-time jobs and full-time school. So I only made it to probably the 18th and I still biked every day, but I definitely was not doing like the day of the month. So I at least did it. I finished the month, but not the exact mileage, but after reading it, him like running like hundreds of miles and I like always wanted to get into running. I'm going to try to do it this month, but I'm going to add like start small with a tenth of a mile instead of a full mile every day because I don't think I could get to 496 miles. Right. I don't think so. But did you enjoy the book? Yes, I love it. It's one of the best books I've probably ever read and I'm going to listen to it on Audible now so I can get the interviews. Yeah. Awesome. Chloe's on vacation and is calling in, my intern. She's calling in from vacation. Good job. Did anybody who read the book do the, do the work at the end of the chapters? I did not. Did anyone do the homework? I know, I, you know, I didn't do the homework. I don't think so. Jennifer, no one is responding, so I don't think any of us did the work. Ken, did you ever do the work, the, the challenges? No. We're, we're too busy working to do those. Josie, did you, are you doing the challenges? No. No. 
Teresa, did you read the book? So the athlete, the athlete here, I mean, maybe some of you are athletes, but I know for sure Teresa's an athlete. I now consider my I now consider myself an athlete, by the way. <laughs> did you read the book? I, I have not yet. I've got it planned to listen to while I uh, head over to the other side of the state next week. They're so, I, yeah, listening to, and I'm not running across the state. I'm going in my car. <laughs> How many marathons have you run? Uh, four marathons. I feel like I've been in a, um, a bit of a has-been, though. Um, I've got a half back on my, my list of to-dos this year, uh, though, as, as I battle through uh, irritated hamstring. Oh. Um, but just just the whole concept of the complacency that we I, you know i know that i sink into and and you you the the sink back into again because you pushed yourself for a while and you and you got a little tired and you know you wanted to or at least myself you get to where i want to rest a little bit and then find where you gotta push yourself again so i definitely look forward to the listen and the push and um sharing it with um, probably my college sophomore, my high school senior, and my husband. I wish I could get my uh, boys to, so what I do, and they're just not readers, unfortunately, which from an English literature mom, I don't know how in the world they're not readers, but they're not, I think it's generational. But what I do is, uh, if we're in a in the car, I'll either listen to a snippet of it or his Facebook and Instagram. He runs and someone's filming him, and he's got like he he had one about oh my gosh. While we're on the call, I'll find it. It was hilarious. Um, uh, I'm gonna find it, and I and I had Mario listen to it, and he was he loved it. So. Uh, that's how I get them, you know, it's a YouTube generation. It's not a book reading generation. And I'm bummed about that because I wish they would, but you gotta roll with the punch. You know, you gotta go with what, what's, what's cool for them, I guess. You know, Lindsay, did you read the book? I did read the book, yes. I read it, so now I'm disappointed that I didn't do the audio because everyone's saying all these cool things about the audio. <laughs> But now you can you can listen to it when you're flying back and forth to your new your new gig. Exactly, exactly. So the the thing that I thought was um, I mean he went through through so much as a kid, but one of the things that that was just amazing was the pull up challenge, and he actually the first time he did it and failed was on national television. Right. Which is I would. I can't imagine the the devastation and humiliation that that would bring to him, but that just fueled him even more. And what it took him three tries, right, to finally do it. Yeah. Or, yeah. Or was it? Yeah, I think it was three. Yeah. The the first time he was on Good Morning America, right? Some, yeah, I think so. And he and he failed. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do one pull up on Good Morning America. But uh, that that was just amazing how how hard he tried and and the and just the different ways he figured out because the first time the bar wasn't right and and the, his diet wasn't correct so he knew he had to go back and make those things right to finally succeed on the third try. Yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. 
um, how embarrassing. And then when he was, you know, all by himself, right, and in the gym, then he was able to ex to do it without all of this, what, I guess, what's the word, huzzerai, all of this craziness around. Well, I think it was kind of, somebody else mentioned it too, of like, he was doing some stuff for like other people versus himself and kind of figuring out that that was like where his drive needed to be, I think too. Like, but I was also shocked by like his lack of, um, I don't know, I'd imagine if I were going to try and go for like a, a record like that, I would have wanted my own bar or been training on the same bar and stuff because he was talking about how didn't have or it had too much give kind of thing, but that was actually better for his hands that one time. So I was kind of surprised that like he either wasn't training on that or didn't bring his own equipment kind of thing. But I do think kind of shifting the perspective versus competition against others versus competition within yourself definitely does change like any sort of goal orientation in my opinion. I mean, I'll, I'll add to that. I mean, what's so fascinating about him is that he's constantly learning. He, he is a student, true student of the game, and he never takes an opportunity. He always takes an opportunity to, to study. You know, even when he would, um, when he was doing his recruiting, he would be studying. I mean, he would, he would, it, it, that was the most inspirational part of all of this, I think, is just how much he realizes that he, there's so much to learn and to study and, to, and as part of training, it's not just the physical ability, it's the, it's the mental, the, the mental strengthening. I mean, he calls it like callousing the mind, if you will. Um, that's where, I mean, where I've taken so much out of these book clubs and, and, and everything is just the, the true educational part of all of this and becoming a true student of, of the industry. You know, he became a student of, uh, you know, of, of recruiting. He became a student of train, of physical training. I mean, it was just, that was, that part was extremely inspirational in my mind. Yeah, for sure. I, um, what I also loved about him is he, so by the way, you guys, his Facebook and Instagram posts. Oh, here, this is awesome. <laughs> he says, do you suffer from chestnut syndrome? Chestnut syndrome. Are you a guy who talks shit behind other guys' backs instead of saying it to their face? Are you a guy who is a girl who's jealous of another person's possessions, wealth, and fame? Are you a person who can't get over the fact that your childhood was screwed up? Are you a guy who buys material possessions to compensate for your shortcomings? If the answer is yes to any of these questions, you might just suffer from chestnut syndrome. I have studied this syndrome for many years and as I've had to cure it from myself in my 20s. Every now and then the symptoms come back. We all have a responsibility to figure ourselves out. We shouldn't try to act like other people, look like other people, live like other people. You need to figure out uh, who you are inside and out. Once you figure that person out, it's important for you to own that person. As men, the more we don't own who we are, our chestnuts start to retract back up into our chest. When this happens, we lose motivation, drive, and discipline. We lose the importance of our life because we have lost ourselves. Whenever you feel like you have lost your motivation and drive, it's not usually because you don't wanna work out, it's probably because there's some deep rooted problems in your personal life that you haven't dealt with. Therefore, working out is just too mentally and physically exhausting to do. That's why it's important for us as men to man the you know what up 
and do whatever has to be done, regardless of whether we want to or not. I, I had my son, my 17 year old son, he, so he's running and, he, and he's saying that and he's talking about chest, chestnuts and Mario's like, what is he talking about? And Mario, my 17 year old has those issues. You know, he wants the best shoes or the best phone or he has those issues and it was like, awesome. And he's like, oh, this is the guy you're listening to the book. But the Facebook and Instagram that posts that he does, I think on a daily basis are phenomenal. So, but what, I, what I, else I loved about him, which I didn't get on the audio. So for those of you that have the book, here's the, the benefit of the book, is he shows you the pictures, yes, of the gross stuff, but what more importantly, what I love today when I was preparing for this this morning, is he shows you the pictures of the stats, which I'm a huge stat person, right? So on May 10th, he did a bike ride 112 miles. Good for him. Uh, and then on, on Tuesday, the 11th, you know, he did 89 miles. And then Wednesday, and then he, and, he, and he has the time. So how much time did it take to do the miles? You know, week number 192, week number 191. Because you know, you guys have heard me enough. We can't improve what we don't measure, right? Which was when we did the, the prospecting challenge in August, everyone that did that, that kept tracking the results, we all, we all bettered our prospecting. Just like me with the swimming in September, the first laps I did, I had zero form, zero form. I was very slow. And by, by yesterday, when I finished, I, had, I actually finished on October 1st, uh, my form on my laps were significantly better. My timing was better. And by, he did meticulous tracking so that he knew what he needed to do to improve. And I think that works well in all areas of our life. And I think athletes do that. You know, pro athletes and, and Olympic athletes know down to the second they know you know the calorie intake they know the heat of the day they know you know all the all the the stats that they track to be the best in their field we also need to do that i was on a training session yesterday talking to a group of leasing agents asking them you know of your call-ins how many are qualified and they were all over the board they had no idea you know and, and of uh, and i said you know, if you want to do five national deals in, in the next six months, how many nationals will you have to reach out to, to, to sign up five? No idea. One person said 10. I go, well, I'm going to hire you and pay you a lot of money if you can contact 10 nationals and get one deal. Because my number is like, you know, 90. So understanding our stats and what we do, I think is crucially important. Okay, we have three minutes who else has um, other, I'll read what you one more quote, and then if anyone else wants to add. He says, the most important conversations you'll ever have are the ones you'll have with yourself. You wake up with them, you walk around with them, you go to bed with them, and eventually you act on them, whether they be good or bad. We all own our, we are all our own worst haters and doubters because self-doubt is a natural reaction to any bold attempt to change your life for the better. You can't stop it from blooming in your brain, but you can neutralize it and all the other external chatter by asking one question. 
what if. So neutralize the negative chatter by saying, what if I can bike 31 miles? What if I can buy eight properties? What if? Um, okay, so any other last minute comments on the book that we did not cover? Who didn't we, we didn't hear from Lewis. Did you read the book? He's not responding. Lori, are you there? Hey Beth, it's Luis, I'm sorry. That's okay, did you read I was on mute. Lewis? I have not heard the book, but I've been following David Goggins probably for the past six months. And um, I, I've been following him on Instagram. I've heard a few of other podcasts and, you know, I, I, I really like his, his, uh, his posts where it's like, man the hell up. And, you know, sometimes it gets respected because, you know, especially with a, with a new baby at home, work, COVID, it's been really like challenging for me. And it's, it's made me understand of a lot of the things that he's overcome in his past. This is nothing, right? This is like only momentarily. So um, when I saw this come up on the, on the book club, I was like, I have to participate because it's on my, on, my, uh, on my nightstand that I was going to start reading it. But based on what I've heard from everybody, I have to listen to the audiobook first. Um, but I, I really like David Goggins, and I think he's really given me a better perspective, especially during uh, COVID. Awesome, awesome. Any Barry? Did you, you? I don't think Barry, you read the book, right? I did not. I'm gonna. It's, I mean, I was actually just getting ready to shoot you a text after the call. No, it sounds amazing. I'll have to do that. Uh, one thing it, I'll throw in there. Um, I'm not sure who it was that mentioned about Darren Hardy and compound effect. I'm a big fan of his, and if anybody on here that just looking for like daily inspiration. In addition, it sounds like David Goggins, who sounds amazing. Uh, Darren Hardy has something called Darren Daily. You get emailed like Darren, you know, daily, like three minute videos that I think are phenomenal as well. So I'll just throw that out there. They're free by the way, but I'll throw that out. But now I have to, I'll do the audio version of this book. Sounds incredible. And I've enjoyed lurking on the call, just listening to this. It's been really, really informative. Barry, awesome. I have, Barry, I have two words for you. Sure. War, War Eagle. Aye, aye. Uh, that's you are I, gosh, I think you're going to, y'all are going to, it's going to be ugly. I'm afraid. I don't or, even care. Look, I don't, I never enjoyed my Alabama time, but anytime that I get to uh, poke the bear with Georgia fans, it's enjoyable. Sorry. <laughs> Sounds good. That's all right. Okay. Well. So next month, uh, the book on October 23rd is indistractable by near EL. I finished it. Um, I have been communicating with Nir. I'm hoping to get him on the call, but no promises. So um, indistractable, very interested. The subtitle is how to control your attention and choose your life. And the, they actually have some things in the end about kids. So um, I liked it. I don't know how we're ever going to beat this book. <laughs> this book is going to go down and we're going to do this book every year. And um, as I'm realizing it's October, we have the books planned out for until January, but I welcome all of you to send me ideas as we start to uh, plug in the books for, believe it or not, I think our fourth year not including you know, when we did it in 09. So I think we're running four years in a row. So I really appreciate all of you guys jumping in live. We have lots and lots of people that listen to the recording. So I appreciate it and go have a phenomenal weekend and I'll see you next month.